say that we are blessed and honored to have each one of you here this morning. And to those that are online, we thank and praise God for you, your listening ear. Um, have a interesting word, a true word this morning. And how we, we got here, how we got here was to the place of was, uh, studying for on Wednesday night uh, uh, a word from the Lord. And, of course, we didn't get to deliver that word on Wednesday but in the process of studying that, that word that the Lord had given um, on that Wednesday um, and running a reference, and the reference that it ran me upon, uh, immediately when I read it, the Lord gave me a title to the message for this morning. So at that point, I began to, to search and seek out what God was saying. And we're going to invite your attention to the book of Job. We're going to the book of Job. And we're going to start in the 40th chapter. But we're going to walk a little bit through Job and some other places and things that God wants us to know. The book of Job, the 40th chapter. And this morning, our our title, if you need a title, uh, if you need a thought to carry you through this week, it will be called The Turning Point. The turning point. It was quite interesting as the Lord took me through these scriptures in regards to uh, the turning point. Uh, Father, we thank you now. We pray in the name of Jesus that you take full control of my mind, my thoughts. Uh, We pray, Heavenly Father, that you bring all things back to my remembrance through the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless the hearers, Lord God, and also bless the doers of your word. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, dealing with our, me- our thought for this week, turning point, turning point. So when we think about a turning point, it's, it's, it's a place that exists where uh, we eventually uh, we find ourselves at a point, and then we are crossroad, and then God speaks to us, and then uh, there comes a turnaround in our lives. So there is a turning point, but there are lessons to be learned in order for us to get to that turning point. I'm going to share with you what God shared with me. We're going to begin with Job chapter number 40, and I'm going to read a few verses, and then we're going to see the first lesson in the turning point. In order for us to get to the turning point, there's the first lesson that we have to learn. Isaiah, I mean, I'm sorry, Job chapter number 40, begin reading at verse number 1. Verse 1 says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. See, Job was talking back to God because of his situation and circumstances. And verse uh, uh, number 3 says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? Then Job says, I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. So the first lesson that we have to learn before we actually get to the turning point in our lives 
is to somebody say, shut up. The first lesson we have to learn before we can reach our turning point is to put our hands over our mouths and shut up. That's the first lesson learned. Because, see, Job was talking. (laughs) His friends was talking. But none of them was listening to God. So what we have to do in order for us to reach the turning point where God wants us to be, uh, we have to learn to close the mouth. Can I get amen on that? Amen. The first lesson learned was Job had to learn this. So do we. We have to learn to shut up and let God do his work. Is it easy? No. Because when we're in situations and circumstances going on in our life, a lot of things happening, we want to talk back to God. We want to know the why. We don't want want to know, well, why should it be me? Why not somebody else? Why do I have to go through all that? But see, God already knows that. That's why he's taking us through it. So he's telling us, do not complain. He says, first lesson learned in our turning point is to shut up. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? All right, now we're going to deal now with lesson number two. won't be before you long, but we're going to get what God says to do for us to reach that turning point. The next scripture we're going to is Job chapter number 42. Job chapter number 42. This is lesson number two. Job chapter number 42. And we're going to begin reading. We're going to read the, the first six verses in chapter number 42 in the book of Job. Now, verse 1 says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Then he says, Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I altered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. So, What's happening here, Job comes to an understanding that he's saying some things he should not have said, and there's some things he just did not know. And and when he comes to an understanding, he said, now this is too wonderful for me. He said, these things that I knew not. In the process of whatever we're going through, we will learn some things, things that we thought we already knew. But we have to understand there's some things we just don't know. And the reason why we don't know them is because we don't listen to the Lord. Amen. Now, in verse number four, it says in Job 42, he says, Here, I beseech thee. First thing he says is here. In other words, have a listening ear, and you got to hear what the Spirit is saying. He says, Here, I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me now watch verse number five this is what job says he says i have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear i want you to keep the scripture up there but now mine eye see of thee if you know all this time you would think that job really have known god even though god had used him and and he allowed the enemy to attack him But Job makes a very profound statement. He says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. How many of us know God just by what we've heard through somebody else's testimony? 
See, unless you go through it yourself, you will never know the power of God. Because then Job comes around and he says, but now. So something happens between the now and I've heard uh, from the hearing of the ear. He says, but now, he said, mine eyes seeth thee. So now he sees God. He sees God for himself. He understands God for himself. Before, he knew God by the hearing of someone else. You know how somebody get up and give their testimony, how God had blessed them, what God brought them through and all this, and we all excited. See, sometimes because, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit, because we attend a, a, a fellowship or a gathering, that does not mean that we know God. Amen. That's right. I was strong. That does not mean that we know God. That means we we can go through, we're going through them some oh Holy Spirit. That means sometimes we go through the motions. We go through the motions of, of knowing God. And, and when the test comes, that's when we really know whether or not we know God. He Job is saying, he said, now, he said, now, he said, I, I see him. See, we have to be able to see God in the midst of everything that we are going through. You still have to see that God is present no matter what is going on. But here's the key lesson and lesson number two and and the turning point. Now, verse number uh, uh, six says, Wherefore I abhorred myself and repent in dust and ashes. The second lesson after shutting up, closing our mouth, the second lesson is, is repentance. Because, see, he's speaking something he did not know. He's, he, he's talking about things that he does not know. See, the, all this is taking place in the midst of Job's suffering. All right? He, he had suffered the, the loss of his children. He had suffered the conditioning of, fall, of failing health. He had suffered the loss of livelihood. But then he had to understand that he had to reach a place in the turning point where he had uh, understand that he had strayed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He had strayed away from God. See, returning or turning back to something, talking about repentance, it means to return or turning back to something you strayed or looked away from. So, in other words, even though he was being tested, yet he, he had strayed away from God. He, he had to come to a place of repentance. He had to come to a place of change. Repentance means to change. Can we get an amen on that? Repentance means to change. And see, the other thing is, there's something else we got to understand. Our circumstances can either make us bitter or better. Our circumstances can make us either bitter or better. Look at Job. He, he prayed for his children, but then God gives Satan permission to do what he, he desired to do. He loses his children. Now, remember this. He loses his children. He loses his livelihood. You know, he, 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 he gets a, a wife who tells him to curse God and die. He, he, get, he gets all these statements. His health is failing him. In the midst of all of this that's going on, he could have either came, became bitter or he could have become better. So which are we? 
Think about our circumstances and our situations in our own personal lives. See, this is personal. In our own personal lives. Are we bitter about our circumstances and situations in our life? Or have we grown to be better in our circumstances and situations in our lives? See, some of us haven't reached that point. You know, we're we, we at a place where you don't have as much finance as you used to. Are you bitter about it? Or have you learned from it? Have you gotten better? Circumstance, situations, amen. Our health is not what it used to be. <laughs> this morning, I'm forgetting stuff all around. I'm, I had to turn around and go back home because I forgot something. Did I get bitter? Slightly. At myself. Because I'm like, Brother, you're supposed to be remembering all that. But finally, we turned around, come back, and we made it on time. Praise God. Let's give God a hand and clap for praise for that. Amen. 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 Now, let, let, let's, go to, let's go to the book of Philippians. To go to the book of uh, uh, Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Remember, our situations and circumstances in our life, we've got to learn some things. All right, because we're talking about lesson two comes with repentance before we can get to the turning point. And boy, when you get to the turning point, it's powerful. It is really powerful. But in Philippians chapter number four, looking at verse number 11, which is our lesson number two, that we're learning in the turning point. Verse 11 says, not that I speak in respect of want. Paul is speaking. He says, for I have, what's that next word? learned we have to learn and whatsoever state i am therewith to be content how many of us have learned to be content in our circumstances and situations you have to learn it's not like you automatically know because paul said i learned you have to go through the process of learning he learned he said, whatever state that I'm in, he said, therewith be content. How many of us are content with what's happening in our life right now? Content. Content. Got to be content. All right? We got to be content. And then he says, watch this. Some of us want to be on top all the time, don't we? We want to be on top all the time. All right? Now, let's verse number 12. From one of the, one of the most uh, 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 powerful apostles in, 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 the, in the Bible, because God speaks to him through revelation, and he writes all these epistles in the New Testament. Now, he says in verse 12, he said, I know. Now, know is a strong word right there. He said, I know. That means he had experienced that thing. I know both how to be abased, meaning low, and I know how to be abound, how to be fruitful. He, he had been on both, both uh, uh, spectrums of the scale. He had been on the, 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 the scale where he didn't have very much, and, but he had been on the scale where he had been very fruitful. He said, I know how to abound. I know how to abase. He said, everywhere and in how many things? All things. I am, well, look, at the, look at this next word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, in all things, I am in what? Instructed. God has instructed us both to be full when you got plenty and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer. Look at that other word. Need. 
Some of us are needful situations. But God has taught us, he has instructed us how to be full and to be hungry. You may not have steak today, you just might have to eat some beans. But you still got to be content. Some of us don't want to eat. But at least you're eating. At least you're eating. How many of us get mad because we don't have what we want? At least we do have something because some folks have nothing. You want to go to Turkey or Syria? Those folks have nothing. Everything is taken away, been destroyed by the earthquake. People sitting out in the cold with not any, any covering. So God said, I've instructed you how to be full. So, see, what's happening, God said, I'm going to let you taste of my goodness, being full. But then I'm going to let you suffer some lack to let you know I'm still the same God now. I'm still the same God. But he said, in any situation, in any case, you still got to be content. How many of us are not content? Not, not content means not satisfied. You know what? Thank you, Holy Spirit. We weren't thankful when we had. So what God does, he said, I'm going to take a little bit away from them. Let me see how they, do they really love me. So you got to learn to love God when you got a whole lot. And then you got to love God when you have very little. Because, see, that's a test of your love for God. You got to be able to praise him when you're going through. And you got to be able to praise him when you're up on the mountaintop. When you're down in the valley, you still got to praise him. See, it is a test of our faith. See, repentance. Some, oh, Holy Spirit. God said some of us need to repent. Because how many of us been complaining? Don't raise your hand because you know you tell a lie if you say you hadn't. And you, we, we, we're quick to say, well, I ain't going to complain. Yeah, you have. God, see, well, we don't hear it. I don't hear but the Father hears. We should have had another pair of shoes. These dirty. I wish I had a better coat. I wish I had something else to drink besides water. Be thankful you got water. Because some people don't even have water. See, we, we don't think about what we're saying when we say it. But God said we need to learn how to repent. We, oh, Holy Spirit. We look at others that we know. And we want to be like them. Well, that's not your job to be like somebody else. You got to be who God called you to be. Jesus was a carpenter. He learned how to build things. But we want to be like somebody. Well, you may not know the hell they went through to get there. But you want, oh, I want to be, no, mm mm-mm. Learn to be yourself. Learn to be who God called you to do. Learn to do what God called you to do. Not with somebody else. Looking over at somebody else's field. I wish, I wish I could do that. I, I, that ought to be me. That's all up in my family. The devil is alive. Who said God called him to do it? You want to look at what somebody else is doing. It may not be of God. It might be a self. We're missing our own blessing, what God has called us to do, 
by looking at somebody else's field, trying to get their little diamond. And you got a bigger diamond. You just don't know it. You got a whole lot of dirt on it. You got to dig and get it up. So stop. Some of us need to repent for that. Looking over, I want to be, no, you don't want to be like Sister Brenda. I welcomely give you my shoes. I don't have a problem. Y'all can have them. With all the other stuff that come with it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You can't pick and choose which part of Sister Brenda, Pastor Brenda, that you want. No. You got to get it all. And I grant you, when you get it all, you come running back and giving it back. Repentance. Yeah, turning point, the turning point. Lord, this is so good. I haven't gotten out. All right, now, let's go to, let's go back now to, to the book of Job. Let's go back uh, to the book of Job, chapter number 42. Let me hurry along. I'm getting excited here. Book of Job, 42. Book of Job, chapter number 42. Now, lesson number three. The first lesson we learned is to shut up. Second lesson we've been learning before we get to our turning point is to repent. Now, here's the third lesson. Now, looking at Job chapter number 42 and verse number 7. This is what you got to remember. Now, verse number 7 says, And it was so, this is after repentance, And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord says to Eliphaz, the Tenamite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, and my servant Job hath. The third lesson has to do with the vindication of Job and also the chastisement of his friends. All this takes place in the turning point. God chastises his friends because his friends didn't understand what God was allowing to happen in Job's life because Job went from being wealthy to being poor. Overnight. That's how he went. And because they didn't understand, immediately they began to give their opinion of his situation and his circumstances. Have you given your opinion to someone about their situation and their circumstances? Question. Have you done that? And see, they didn't know what they were talking about because, see, God had to come and rebuke them. God rebuked them. He, he vindicated Job, but he chastised those friends. All right? God says, my wrath is kindled against you. Then he said, and, and to the two friends, all right? Now, verse number 8 says, Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray, oh, look at this, my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept. You see the vindication? He, God makes those friends, those well-wishers, supposedly we have in our lives, he makes them to offer up a sacrifice, and then they have to get the very one that they had talked about, said things against them, 
Job was the one that had to pray for him. Now, I bet that was a bitter pill to swallow, wasn't it? That was a bitter pill to swallow. The very one that, 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 that you came against, you spoke against, now God is saying, listen, you, 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 you go and you make a sacrifice, and I'm going to have Job to pray for you. Now, they, had, they ran a good game. They ran a good talk. But he said, now Job is the one going to have to pray for you, okay? See, this is part of the Lord's vindication, all right? Now, he goes on and, and he says now, he says uh, in verse number 9, let me make sure I'm right. Yeah, in verse number 9, it says, So uh, Eliphaz, the Tenamite, and Benadad, which is, now Benadad, that means son of contention. And then he said, Zophar, which mean, in the Hebrew meaning, it means to return. And he said, they went and did according as the Lord had commanded them, the Lord also accepted Job. They followed the instructions of God. God told them, listen, go back to your friend that, that, that you, you really said some things about, and I'm going to let that person pray for you. Now, here's a part that we're going to have to understand in this, in this lesson, this lesson number three. This lesson number three, as far as the vindication uh, by the Lord and God's chastising. We're going to go now to Matthew chapter number five. We're going to go to St. Matthew chapter number five. St. Matthew chapter number five. St. Matthew chapter five. St. Matthew chapter number five. This is all still part of that lesson in the turning point. St. Matthew chapter number 5, and we're going to look at verse number 44. We're going to look at verse number 44. Looking at verse number 44, because this is, this is crucial now when it comes down to the vindication of God and the chastisement of God upon a friend. You've got to learn now. You've got to pray for those that's around you. Now, Matthew chapter 5, looking at verse number 44. This is God speaking. This is Christ speaking. This red letter. It says, but I say unto you. All right. But I say unto you. What does he say? Y'all act like y'all was hard to get that, that word out, that L-O-V-E word out. Love. Love who? Your friends. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's all that is part of the third lesson in the turning point before you can get to the turning point. You've got to learn how to love your enemies. Y'all... Everybody loving their enemies? Is everybody loving their enemies? <laughs> I, I thank you, sister, for being real. She's not trying. Amen. The rest of us, they, you know, still got, you know, they got the first lesson uh, in, in mind, the one over the mouth, okay? But now we're, 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 we're at the third lesson about praying for those, praying for your enemies. You know them backstabbers? Y'all know about some of them? Them, them backstabbers, God says now, you got to pray for them. He, say, he says, you got to love them. Love is a very strong word. He said, love your enemies. 
And then he turned around and tell us to bless those that curse you. Got to bless them. Those that curse you. And then he says, do good to them that hate you. Can we do good to those that hate us? See? These are the instructions from the Lord now. This is not Brenda's word. This is the Lord's word. He says now, do good to them that hate you. Can you put your arms around somebody's neck and you know they hate you? This is the difference. Show you the difference. I can embrace you with a false embrace. Or I can embrace you and you can, you can feel how I feel from my embracement. You can feel the love. See, your embracement will tell whether or not you love that person or you don't love that person. It's how, it's how you embrace. Not in the, in the physical sense, but it's something about the heart will let you know whether it's real or whether it's not real. Amen. So, so, so we've got to learn to... To, to, to bless those that hurt us, that stick us in the back. You got to do good to them. And you know they hate you. They hate your guts. But then he says, you got to pray for them which despitefully use you. People that's, that, that, that's doing things to you and persecuting you. God said, no, you, you got to pray for these people. That's, that's a tough calling. Amen, sister. Amen. Because, but this is a house of truth, right? <laughs> so I want to be real. You know, we, we got to be real. This, we, we're either there in this word or we got some work to do, as Minister Tom always say. We got some, some, some work to do. You know, those that, was willing to, that, that will persecute you. And you know they persecuting you. But God's instructions is for us to pray for them. You know, sometimes, <laughs> I, I'll never forget this. We were praying, and uh, this, this man wanted uh, us to pray for his wife. And uh, she was sick. She was dying with cancer. And she was at her lowest. She was at her lowest. She was at her lowest. And, but he also, true story, he also had him a little friend on the side. Y'all know what that is? Some of y'all laughing. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know. Had him a little friend on the side. He wanted us to pray for that his wife die so he can get his little friend on the side. Well, let me tell you what God did. That woman that was sick, dying from cancer, God raised her right on up. That friend had to wait a while. Because that, 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 that lady, <laughs> glory be to God, that lady ended up being healed and to continue to work in the kingdom. Amen. So now let's go to Luke, St. Luke, chapter number 6. Here, here's a little twist that Luke puts in after Matthew. St. Luke, chapter number 6. St. Luke, chapter number 6. St. Luke, chapter number 6. And we're going to look at verse number 27. This is still part of, um, I think this is the fourth lesson about praying for others, praying for your enemies. Yeah, talking about forgiveness. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lesson four. Mm-hmm. Talking about praying might be still part of part of lesson three. But lesson and, and lesson and Luke chapter six, verse number twenty seven, it says this. But I say unto you, which got a key word in here that Matthew didn't hear have. Okay? You remember what Matthew's told us to do? You know, about praying and blessing and loving. Now Luke takes it a place further. He says, But I say unto you, which what's that next word? Here. Here. But I say unto you, which here. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. The key word right there is everybody's not going to hear. That's why everybody don't do. Luke takes it a step, a step farther to those that hear. See, everybody don't hear. Everybody's not going to love their enemy. Everybody's not going to bless their enemy. Everybody's not going to do good to their enemy. But he says, to those that hear, he takes it a step further. To those that hear, he says, this is what I want you to do. Love your enemies. Do good to them which, which hate you. Then verse number 28 says, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. That is, if you hear. That is, if you hear, because everybody don't, don't hear. Can we be real? Because <laughs> we ain't all all there, even though we want to tell think people to make us think that we're there, right? We're all not there. Oh, I can love them. Oh, Holy Spirit, where are we? I can love them from a distance, way over there. But what happens when they come close? The true, the true feelings will come out if you have not heard and done what God said in his word. See, we, we, we got all these little cliches that we use. We got them. But before we can get to the turning point and receive what the turning point has for us, we've got to go through all these steps. Shut up, number one. Shut up, number one. Put your hand over your mouth. Because we're complaining about what God is taking us through. Amen. And then he said, repent. And then he said, pray for your enemies. Those that didn't put the knife in your back. Come at the turning point. Now let's go to the turning point. Let's go to the final finale. Job chapter number 42. Job chapter number 42. Job. Chapter number 42. Looking at now. This is the aftermath. And the aftermath is forgiveness. Okay? When we do all those things, because you got to remember now, it was Job's friends that were doing all that stuff to him. Okay? Job ended up having to pray for him. All right? Now, Job chapter number 42, verse number 10. And it says, after all of that, after Job did all of that, because he said, he said, I, you know, he said, these things are too wonderful for me to know. He said, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know God. He acknowledged that he did not know. 
Verse 10 says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. I'm going to break this up. When he said, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job, that captivity was, he was full. This is what kept him captive. He was full of bitterness and unforgiveness. But he had to do all those things as a prerequisite before he can get to the place where the Lord turned things around. So he turned the captivity of Job, that bitterness that he had, the unforgiveness that he had. Here's the key word. Here is the key word, the four-letter word, when. He don't turn until the when. When he did what? Prayed for his friends. Now, these are the same friends now that talk junk to him. And then he says, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. When he prayed now, when, when, when he was able to release that bitterness and that unforgiveness, when he was able to, it's hard to pray for them brothers that they misuse you. Hard, I'm saying, it's hard. Oh, y'all got it going on, huh? That is so easy. Oh, yeah, I get to know. Stop lying. Because the turning point did not take place until he prayed for those that despitefully used him, to those that persecuted him. It didn't turn until Job made a decision to pray for his friends. God turned it, and then he says, God gave him twice as much. You see what happens when we do it God's way, when we forgive, when we do it God's way, when we stop the bitterness and the unforgiveness. And then he says now in verse 11, watch, watch the restoration takes place when we do what God says at the turning point. Verse 11 says, Then came there unto him, watch this, this is powerful, all of his brethren, after he prayed now, after he went through the steps, shutting his mouth, repenting, praying for his friends, he says, Then came there unto him all his brethren and all of his sisters and all, not a few, and all they that had been of his acquaintances before. Some of them acquaintances had left him. Some that was with him had left him. But they had to come back. Restoration. They had to come back. And then it says, and did eat bread with him in his house. In other words, they became in unison with Job all over again. After the turning point. You see what's happening? We'll make the turn. We make that turning point. We make that turn. He blessed him. Brethren blessed him. Those that walked away from him, they blessed him. And then it said, and they bemoaned him and confronted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Look at this. This is how Job got his prosperity back. It wasn't like God, God couldn't have, but he he didn't. It wasn't like God just 
drop all the, the financial money you need out the sky. Watch how he gets it. It says, every man also gave him a what? A piece of money. And everyone an earring of gold. See, when Job did what he had to do, when he prayed for those that hurt him, God allowed those same ones to come back and bless him. His brethren and his sisters blessed him. And in other words, those people that, that he knew, that hung in there with him, they blessed him. Then all those acquaintances that, that, that walked away from him and talked junk about him, then what happens there is they turn around and they blessed him too. But they didn't just bless them with words. He said he gave them some money. That's what the book said. I said, oh, God, look at that. Said that they comfort him over they comfort him over all the evil that the Lord had brought up in all the evil, all the things that Job had to encounter. He was comforted by the same ones that walked away from him. That may gave him a piece of money. That's how he got it. And every one are earring of gold. Then they blessed him with gold. See, you see what the turning point would do? When we do what we're supposed to do, you get it all back and some more. You get, it, you get it all back and some more. Now, watch this last verse. Watch this last verse. Because, see, he, he, he's been restored. Verse number 12, Job 42, verse 12. Verse 12 says, so the Lord, watch this. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. When you go back to chapter number 1, you will see each thing that's listed here. In chapter number 1 of Job, it gives you half of the amount. Here he says, he blessed him more in his latter end than he did in the beginning. He says, for he had 14,000 sheep. Well, in, John, in, in Job chapter 1, he only had 7,000, so it doubled. Then it says, and 6,000 camels. Then it and you go back to chapter number one in Job, he had three. Then he said, and, and a thousand yoke of oxen. Now it's increased because it's in, in, in chapter number one, it talks about 500 yokes of oxen, which is half of a thousand. And then he said, and a thousand she-asses, okay? But then he also talks about, in the verse we don't have, verse number 13, it says, he had also seven sons and three daughters. All right, now, let me tell you about them seven sons and three daughters. Well, somebody said, well, you know, they don't, uh, that, that, that's what he had in the beginning. Well, it doubled. The first set of children was in heaven because they died. They still his, right? The second set of children is the one that he had after he remarried and had seven more. So that means he had 14 children. First seven dies. The next one is, is being born to him. So it's, it's, it's double. And then he, this is what got me, he named, his, he named his first three children. The first child was named uh, Jamil. That means dove or Holy Spirit. The second one was named Kaiser, which means Cassia. In other words, that was that part of that anointing that makes up the holy oil. All right? And then it, uh, it, the third one was named Karen Hapash, which means children of beauty. 
He had a name for each child. He named each one of them. Each one represented something to him. So we have to remember, and this is our ending, this is what we have to remember. We have to remember, if we do all the lessons that God has instructed us today, look at what our turning point will be. You'll have double for your trouble. So sometimes you wonder, is, it, is the trouble worth it? I'm here to tell you, wait on your double. Wait on your double. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. Amen, amen. I pray.